Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. We believe this message will encourage you as you grow your faith and your relationship with Jesus. Grab your notebook and a pen as we get right into the message. Well, this morning, I'm excited about this morning's message. If you're new to Encounter, maybe you haven't been here in a few weeks, we're in a series right now that we're simply calling All In. That's our phrase of the year. We believe God's called us to go all in. What does that look like? That's what we're discovering in this series as we process through an incredible book of the Bible, a book called James. It's written by the half-brother of Jesus, Uh, One that was known as camel knees because he spent so much time in prayer. Man, I want to learn from somebody called camel knees. You know what I'm saying? So here James is. He's challenging the early Jewish believers. He's saying, guys, I see what you're doing. I see the things that you're processing through. But my, my concern is this. You're immature in your faith. Ultimately, you're not really all in. You've got some head knowledge, you've got some understanding, but you really haven't applied it the way it needs to be applied, and therefore, you're not seeing the the benefit or the results that God wants to do in and through your life. The goal of this series is this, that God will take every single one of us in this room and those watching online, that God will take every one of us and move us from just average churchgoers and bring us to the place of being an all-in believer. You see, there's a huge difference between the two of those. I can come in every single Sunday and I can go through the motions. I can sit in the same seats, which most of you do, I can sit in the same seat, I can go through the same routine, stand, sing three songs, sit, stand, sit, listen, clap, applause, walk out the door, and repeat the next week. I can do this week after week, but if I haven't yet stepped into this place, into this role of being all in with God, all I'm doing is going through the motions. Can I just tell you, it's not going to work. The Bible says to be a doer of the word of God, not just a hearer of the word of God. We're really good about being a hearer of the word of God and we come in on a Sunday morning and we feel really good about ourselves because we went to church. And don't misunderstand, you need to be here. I'm glad that you're here. But if your time here isn't making an impact upon your life and changing the course of your life, you're just going through the motions. Are you you trekking with me this morning? I really hope and I pray that throughout this series of the book of James that you're taking time on your own account to read through the book of James. Five short chapters. Super easy read. I'm going to challenge you. Read it and reread it. There might be things in and through it that you're like, I don't understand this. Man, go back and read it again. Let God begin to dissect some of this. In fact, here's what I found out about the Word of God. If there's ever something that I'm like, I don't really grab this, if I will keep reading, it's all going to make sense. I've had some of you text me in the past, and you'll text a question about the Bible, and then a few minutes later you'll go, never mind, I just figured it out. Because you kept reading and you discover that the Word of God is alive and well. And it will really come alive in you if you truly allow God to do that in your life, right? Come on, anybody testify to that? 
All right, we're working through the book of James, and right now we're in chapter 3. Now, here's the deal. We only have four weeks left. Today we'll look at James chapter 3. Next week we'll wrap up James chapter 3. Then we'll spend a week on James chapter 4. And then we'll come around third base right to home on James chapter 5. So four weeks left. We're going to ramsack through this thing and pull out all the goodness that we possibly can. So buckle up and get ready. Now, why am I taking three or two weeks on the chapter 3, because there's so much in this that I don't want us to miss it, okay? James chapter 3, verse 17 says this, but the wisdom, say wisdom, but the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. Now, next Sunday, you're going to want to be here because we're going to take that scripture, verse 17, and we're going to break it apart section by section. In fact, I believe I got seven points next week, so you're going to have to get ready and take notes really, really quick. We're going to process through what does it look like for us to, to be pure, to us, for us to be peace-loving, for us to be gentle. How does this relate to our lives in 2023? you're going to want to be here. Now, understand this. The Jewish people, they valued this idea of wisdom. They understood that wisdom was vitally important. They realized that it wasn't enough to have knowledge. Now, knowledge in itself is not bad, and we're going to talk about that in a moment. We need to be learners. We need to be learning new things in your field of of study or in your career. You need to continue to get better and better and to improve because the Bible says that everything you do be done as if you're doing it for God. One of our core values as a church is this. We value excellence because God deserves excellence. So I believe that we need to be learners so that we can be the best example and the best at our field as we possibly can be. So the, the Jewish people, they realized that it wasn't enough just to have knowledge. You also had to have wisdom to be able to use that knowledge correctly. W- would you agree with me that it's not enough just to have the head knowledge if you haven't learned how to apply it? Well, look at this. Knowledge on its own is simply the collection of data. But wisdom is the proper application guided by a desired function. Let me say this again. Knowledge on its own is simply the collection of data. We, we grab a hold of all the information we possibly can. We store it in our minds. But wisdom is the proper application guided by a desired function. Now, today, we have a choice. You have a choice in your life of what sort of wisdom we're going to obtain. Are we going to obtain the wisdom that the culture gives? Or are we going to choose to obtain our wisdom from what God is offering us today? By the way, the Bible says if you lack wisdom, what do you need to do? You need to ask. 
James chapter 1 says, if you lack wisdom in your life, if you don't know what you need to do, if you haven't really grabbed a hold of all the information, if you haven't learned how to apply it, you simply need to ask God. And out of his generosity, out of the abundance of wisdom he has, he will pour that upon you. So you have a choice. And I believe that we would all agree today that the world's wisdom and godly wisdom are diversely different. In fact, they're at conflict with one another. The Bible says it this way in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7. Getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. Come on, that's good, isn't it? Come on, would you read that with me? Getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. Man, that, that's, that's brilliant right there. And whatever else you do, develop good judgment. If you prize wisdom, hold on to that word prize. We're going to come back to it in just a second. She will make you great. Embrace her and she will honor you. Let me ask you a question. Do you value wisdom? I'm not asking you, are you intelligent? I'm not asking you, are you smart? I'm not asking you, have you retained a lot of knowledge? Because I know a lot of people, they've got useless knowledge. Come on, we, we all know them. You bring up any topic and they've been there, they've seen it, they've done it, they know all the details of it and they have charts to illustrate it. But I'm not asking you, are you intelligent? I'm not asking you, do you have a lot of wisdom? I'm asking you today, do you value the wisdom of God? Do you make it a priority in your life? Because in verse 8, we just saw it said the word prize. If you prize wisdom, this literally means to lift it up, to exalt it. In other words, do you cherish and value the wisdom of God? a valid question to ask ourselves because if we're passive in our approach to the wisdom of God then we will soon find ourselves bypassing his plan and his desire let me say that again if we're passive in our approach to the wisdom of God if we could take it or leave it if it's there but we're like ah, I don't really know then sooner or later we'll find ourselves bypassing God's plan bypassing God's desire and we'll be attempting things on our own and maybe you'd want to agree this morning or maybe you want to testify I've tried that and it doesn't work come on anybody ever tried to use your own wisdom did it work now, some of you are like, I'm not admitting anything. No, it doesn't work. Why? Because we're limited to what we know now in our past. But the Bible says that, that God knows it all. That God knows what your tomorrow is going to look like. God knows your future. God, God knew you while you were being formed in your mama's belly. And yet, at that moment, at that time, he already had a plan and a purpose for your life. In the book of Jeremiah, he said that plan and that purpose, it's not for destruction, but it's hope and a future. So why not lean upon the one? Why not step into the presence of the one? Why not depend upon the one that already has it figured out? Rather than trying to do it, all by ourselves. 
do you cherish, do you value the wisdom of God? Today what I want to do for a few moments, I want to look at the contrast of true and false wisdom. In fact, point number one is this, the contrast of origin. Now, where does wisdom come from? If we've already established there are two sides of this wisdom coin, there's the wisdom from God and there's the wisdom from the world, um, we've really got to figure out what's the difference between the two sides of the coin. James tells us that there is true wisdom and that wisdom comes from God and God alone. How do you know that's the best wisdom we can plug into? But there's also this false or man-made wisdom. It doesn't come from God. Look what the Bible says in James chapter 3, verse 15. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Come on, let this sink in. Jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are what? Earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. That's what I want. I want to look at those three areas very quickly. Number one, earthly. What does it mean that it's earthly? Well, first off, we can't confuse world's knowledge from world's wisdom. Two different things. We need knowledge. We need to learn. Those of you we work at HVAC, we got a few HVAC guys in the house. You need to keep learning the new HVAC systems, right? Because if you don't, you're not going to be able to fix my, my air conditioner when it goes out. Those of you that are mechanics, you've got to keep up on the latest cars. How you work on a car today is not how you worked on a car in 1972, Right? Now, I don't know anything about cars. All I know is you pull that little gas cap open, gas goes in, and periodically you go in because you need an oil change. That's all I got. But some of you, some, some of you, you have a whole lot more world knowledge of that, but there's a huge difference between the world's knowledge and the world's wisdom. We need knowledge. We should strive for learning Yet cultural wisdom is not necessarily the wisest. Look what the Bible says, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom. Come on, look at that. The foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom. The Bible is clear here that what we need to do is seek God first and foremost. Seek his kingdom, his will, his plan, his desire. Let God begin to speak into our lives. Well, well, pastor, how do I know that God's speaking? How do I know his voice? By spending time with him. See, the only way that I can truly recognize who God is is by hanging out in his presence. By having that conversation with him. When I first met my wife, I didn't know what her voice sounded like. But can I just tell you, when she calls today, whether caller ID is on or not, I know it's my wife. Why? Because I've spent time with her. I'm going to challenge you. Spend time in the presence of God. Spend time reading his word. Spend time praying. Now, prayer is not just a one-sided conversation. It's not, Lord, I'm going through this problem. God, I need this situation to be resolved. God, this is my list of laundry list. God, this is my grocery list. God, this is my need list, and I'm done. 
you share those things and you say, God, would you begin to lead me? God, would you begin to guide me? God, would you help me to follow your plan and your purpose? And then you've got to be still, as the Bible says, be still and know that he is God. You've got to be still long enough just to listen into him. Now, truth be told, that's hard. Because there's a lot of noise in this world. Right? There's, there's a lot of noise. There's a lot of distractions. I was sitting around a, a table with a group of guys a few weeks ago at our round table night with a gentleman. And we began talking about some of those distractions. And the majority of the guys around our table said, man, my biggest problem is my phone. It distracts me. I'll get into prayer. I'll get into reading the Bible. And suddenly I think, oh, I got to check my email. I've got to check Facebook. I got to check Instagram. I got to check my snaps. I got to check this. I've got to check that. Or something pops up, some, an alert or a, a, a something else happens on my phone. And suddenly I'm distracted and I, I'm taken off guard of where God would have me to go. But now I'm focused in over here. Can I just tell you? Can I challenge you today? Would you make room for God? Would you make room for him? You might need to put your phone in the other room. Seriously. You might need to shut it off. You might need to get rid of all electronics, your computer, everything, just so you can focus in with God. Allow God to speak in to your life. Begin to seek after him. It is then and only then that he is able to make his path straight in your lives he will steer you he will lead you he will guide you but you've got to take the step of faith toward him you've got to seek god you've got to run to god you've got to trust god why because he has your best interest at mind the second thing is this first off it's earthly the second it's unspiritual this in essence means that it's the opposite of spiritual it's un spiritual so if something is the opposite of spiritual guess what it's the opposite of god yes the bible says in proverbs chapter 21 no human wisdom or understanding or plan can stand against the lord no human wisdom or plan can stand against the lord again i challenge you lean in fully to the things of god number three it's demonic Worldly wisdom is earthly. Worldly wisdom is unspiritual. Worldly wisdom is demonic. This false wisdom is not from God. It's from our enemy, the adversary, Satan. The Bible says in John chapter 8, verse 44, that the devil is not only a liar, but the father of lies. So here we have the father of lies trying to instill inside of you a worldly wisdom that, truth be told, here's the deal, he's quite crafty. He will take just enough wisdom and mix it with a lot of untruth to take you off course. His plan, his desire, is to do everything he can to help you walk in opposition to the things of God. James chapter 1, verse 5, I said it a moment ago, but if we need wisdom, we simply ask God and he will give out of his abundance. Then James chapter 1, verse 17 tells us this, 
unlike false wisdom, true wisdom comes from above because whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God. The wisdom of God is good and perfect. Come on, look at that. The wisdom of God is good and perfect. Our second aspect is this, the contrast in operations. We've looked at the origin, what's the difference between worldly wisdom and godly wisdom, where does it come from, and now what's the operation difference? Since they originate in radically different places, it's safe to to look at and, and to grab a hold of the fact that they're in opposition, in operation as well. I love James chapter 3. It says this, if you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it. Come on, look at that. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But, but if you are bitterly jealous and there's selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. He says, if you've got the wisdom from God, if you're moving in the right direction with God, if you're all in in your relationship with God, then prove it by your actions. Come on, don't be a Christian by name only. Don't be a Christian by building association only. But allow the word of God to, to penetrate deep inside of your life so that all that you say and all that you do, man, I feel like we talk about this all the time, is done as a representative of Jesus Christ. James says, if you are wise, if you understand God's ways, then don't hoard that on the inside of who you are. Don't strike it up as a great amount of head knowledge, but allow it to be applied into your life in what you say and what you do. But then he says, if you're bitterly jealous, if there's selfish ambition in your heart, man, don't try to cover that, that up with lying and boasting. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Let's look at some evidence of false wisdom. How do I know if the wisdom that I'm applying in my life is godly wisdom or false witness? Let's look at a few things. Number one, you'll find jealousy. If the actions that you're giving out, if what's happening through your life is producing jealousy, then there's a good chance that you are allowing the worldly wisdom, this false wisdom, to really take root and lead and guide your life. So the question we have to ask ourselves is this. Do we rejoice, or personally, do you rejoice when others succeed, or are you secretly jealous and give out criticism? 
When, when somebody else succeeds, when somebody else does well, when somebody else received a promotion that you didn't receive, when someone else gets that job that you didn't get, when someone else receives an advancement and you were overlooked, do you give out jealousy and criticism or do you support them in that process? Do we sorrow when others fail or do we rejoice? You see, when you have wisdom of the world in your life, there's a great deal of self-promotion and self-glorification that begins to erupt from the inside out. The second is this. The second evidence that we're allowing false wisdom to take root is this. You will find selfish ambition. Selfish ambition. The problem with this evidence is that it only creates rivalry and division, not only in the body of Christ, but in every relationship that we try to develop. Philippians chapter 2 says it this way, let nothing be done through selfish ambition. Come on, society, culture around us is doing everything they can to convince us that it's all about me, right? Come on, we've all seen the commercials. It's all about me. The world revolves around me. I don't need to worry about anybody else. You're not nearly as important as I am, right? It's all about this selfish ambition, self-promotion, looking out for Number one, if we allow this worldly wisdom to take root inside of us, we're going to see more and more self-promotion and less and less reflection of Jesus. Number three, you will find boasting. The problem here is pride begins to set in. And with pride, we find a lot of boasting. Boasting and pride loves to be present when one accomplishes things on its own. Yet on the flip side, when godly wisdom is at work, there's a sense of humility and and submission to the things of God. You desire that God receive the glory. Why? Because you're all in. Lord, it's all about you. God, it's not about me. Now, Now don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. We have to still see value in self. We talked about that a few weeks ago, right? We've got to see value in self. Why? Because we were created in the image of God, and the only way that we can truly uh, reach out and impact somebody else, the only way we can truly love somebody else as we love ourselves is we have to learn to love ourselves. But the moment that we begin to look at number one more importantly than anybody else is the moment we're gone off track and we've allowed worldly wisdom to take roots. Here, the book of Philippians Man, it says that we got to mimic the things of God. Just as Jesus, when he came to earth, he could have grabbed a hold of everything and said, listen, I'm, I'm the very son of God. I don't deserve to be treated this way. Yet for you and for me, he took on the position of a perfect sacrifice. Why? So that you would have the opportunity of real life. 
See, Jesus' purpose, the reason he came, is so that we could have life and have it to the fullest. One translation said we could have it abundantly. That's what Jesus did for you and for me. And now likewise, as we apply this godly wisdom into our lives, we have to resemble the life that Jesus displayed while here on earth. Our third, our fourth rather, is this. You will find deceit. Let me ask you a question. Do you ever feel the need to cover up a, a lie? Do you, ever, do you ever have to do that? I'd venture to say there's some in the room that have to do that. See, if you're living a life that is a representative of the relationship with Jesus, there'll be no need to cover it up. Why? Because now you're applying all that God is. You're applying his truth, his word, his guidance, his plan, his purpose into your life. Does that mean that you'll always be perfect? No. No, the Bible says that we, every one of us messes up. We all fall short. That should be some relieving news for you. You're, you're not the only one in this room that, that makes mistakes. But the question is, when you make that mistake, what are you doing in response? Are you turning back to God? The word repent literally means to ask for forgiveness and turn and go the opposite direction. The problem is right now, there's some of you in the room, some of you that are watching online, you get caught. Now you're like, I'm so sorry. But you don't change the behavior. Are you seeing where we're trekking here? Warren Wearsby, great theologian, once said it this way, a man's life is not read in his press release. It is read by the Lord in his heart. If we were to read the report in your heart today, what would we find? What, what would show up? Psalm 139 reminds us that God already knows our thoughts. He already knows what we're going to say. He already knows what we're going to do. He's already examined your life and, and he sees in the very core of your existence. Therefore, it's time to stop masking in deceit and it's time to repent and submit our lives and truly go all in with Christ. Aspect number three is this, the contrast of outcome. The contrast of outcome. What we have to keep in mind is this, worldly wisdom produces worldly results. I know that's profound, but it's true. Worldly wisdom produces worldly results, while godly wisdom produces godly results. It's all in where you get your wisdom. Here's the truth that we've got to understand. Wrong thinking produces wrong living. Is that a fair statement? I remember as a, as a young teenager, um, we had a, a kids event at the church that I grew up in, and we had these, the kid workers came in, and the song that they sang, I think it was with puppets, saying, input, output, what goes in is what comes out. That has stuck with me for 30 plus years. 
And as I'm looking at this idea of worldly wisdom versus godly wisdom, what I input in my life, that's what's going to take root. That's what's going to come out in my daily conversations, in my daily responses, in all that I say and in all that I do. See, wrong thinking produces wrong living. Jealousy, competition, self-ambition, deceit. These are all a result of the confusion that is offered through worldly wisdom. Now, in Genesis chapter 11, there's a, a great story about a tower that was called Babel. They, they were building this tower trying to reach heaven. Now, from man's perspective, this looked like a good thing to do. But in God's point of view, this project was useless and sinful. What was the end result? Mass confusion. Now, in today's culture, when we use the word babble, it is often used in reference to confusion. Confusion sets the stage for every evil work. James 3.16 For whatever, wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. Now, we just learned a few moments ago that jealousy and selfish ambition are not the wisdom from God. So if they're not the wisdom from God, then they've got to be the world's wisdom. And now we understand that the world's wisdom, as it is applied into our lives, it brings about all sorts of disorder and evil of every kind. This confusion sets in. But in contrast to that, we have God's wisdom. James 3.18. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Let me ask you a question today. Which would you rather have? Blessing and godly results or confusion and evil of every kind? I would venture to say that the majority, if not all of you in the room today and those watching online right now, you would say, I would so much rather have blessings. I would so much rather receive the godly wisdom in my life. And here's the deal. The choice is yours. Where you turn for your wisdom is ultimately up to you. Because here's the deal. What we reap is what we sow. What we plant in our lives, what we fertilize in our lives, what we water in our lives, that's what's going to grow into maturity. If we live in God's wisdom, we sow righteousness and peace. We reap God's blessing. If we pursue and follow worldly wisdom, we'll sow sin and deceit and reap confusion in every evil work. Now understand this, the pursuit of wisdom in a lifestyle has nothing to do with your intelligence. Grab a hold of that. 
The pursuit of wisdom has nothing to do with how smart you are. But it has everything to do with the level of trust that you have in God. Are you all in? James 3.13 says, if you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it. If you're wise and you understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, by doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. James says, if you claim to have godly wisdom, show me that wisdom by your actions. It's not a matter necessarily of what I say with my lips, but what I live with my life. with what I apply into my life, with what I cultivate in my life. Ultimately, it's your character. Today, you're, you're here. And you say, Pastor, I've, I've been trying to get wisdom from this source and that source, and I've been trying to apply a little here and a little there, and every so often I apply some godly wisdom, but then I mix in a little worldly wisdom. Can I just tell you, it can't be both. It's it's hot or cold. All in says, Lord, I'm going to step into your presence, Lord, and from this day forward, Lord, I'm trusting you. Lord, from this day forward, I'm relying upon you, God. From this day forward, it's whatever you say, God, I'm ready to go. I wonder today, are you willing to make that change? Are you willing to say, Lord, what's that next step look like? Lord, what do you have for me, God? What do you have me to do? Lord, what does that look like? Are you willing to take that step? Are you willing to go all in? Let's pray. Thank you for listening to the Encounter Church podcast. We pray that this message was a blessing and an encouragement to you.